0: See you this morning, and uh, my name is Josh, one of the pastors here. Glad you're here. Welcome to all of you joining us online. Glad that you can join us as well. And those of you who are here uh, live with us, you can look around the room, and now you're going, I see why we have two services on a Sunday that is typically our lowest attended Sunday of the year. This place is packed, and uh, it's exciting just to see you all in one place again. So, welcome. So glad. you're here. Um, Hey and Merry Christmas. Do you have a good Christmas? Yeah Yeah, we did too. It was yeah it was a a whirlwind. Uh, It's been a crazy week and today it's capped off for us by my son Charlie's fifth birthday. Happy birthday Chuckster. (laughs) All right. So we're celebrating that today, and uh, it's been been a full week, a full Christmas. Reminder, next week we'll be back to services at 9 and 1045 on on YouTube and Facebook, and uh, so just keep that in mind. We still won't have kids ministry next Sunday, though. We're just going to have nursery available. We're giving our kids workers a break for a couple weeks, and uh, a well-deserved break, and uh, they do such a great job with the kids. But kids, I'm glad you're here today. Where are you? Let me hear you. Oh, that wasn't, that was I couldn't hear you. Louder than that. Let me hear you. You know, having all the kids here is, yeah, it's fun and it's exciting as a part of Christmas. And especially knowing that Jesus was born as a baby. He became human and he dwelt among us and he grew up in every way, just like every one of us did. And so we're going to look at that this morning as we look at Jesus, our humble king, as we close things out today. And so I'm going to pray, and then uh, we're going to dive in. Let me pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thanks for your grace to us, your goodness, uh, your giving up uh, your rights and your privileges and your glory to come and live and dwell among us so that uh, we could be saved. Lord, thank you for Jesus. We pray all of this through him. Amen. Well, uh, in his recent book... Uh, called Jesus, uh, pastor and author Max Lucado uh, wrote about some squirrels that lived outside of his office window. Here's what he writes. He says, I'm watching a family of black-tailed squirrels. I should be working on a Christmas message, but I can't focus. They're set on entertaining me. They scamper amid the roots of the trees just north of my office. We've been neighbors for three years now. They watch me peck at the keyboard, and I watch them store nuts and climb the tree trunk. We're mutually amused. I could watch them all day, he writes, and sometimes I do. But I've never considered becoming one of them. The squirrel world, it holds no appeal to me. Who wants to sleep next to a hairy rodent with beady eyes? Then he writes, he tells his wife, no comment, please. (laughs) He says, give up the Rocky Mountains, bass fishing, weddings, and laughter for a hole in the ground and a diet of dirty nuts. Count me out, but count Jesus in. What a world that he left. Our classiest mansion would be a tree trunk to him. Earth's finest cuisine would be walnuts at heaven's table. And the idea of becoming a squirrel with claws and tiny teeth and a furry tail, it's nothing compared to God's becoming an embryo and entering the womb of Mary. It's a pretty amazing thought, isn't it? Would you want to become a squirrel? I wouldn't. That just seems like an awful life to me. You know, we just finished Christmas. Maybe you're exhausted today. Did you have a little too much family time? Uh, Maybe you're dragging this morning maybe you feel like a squirrel chasing a nut you've uh you've had your fill of all of it maybe you're grumpy maybe just kind of tired uh maybe someone you love is sick Uh, maybe you're feeling down and alone you know it's normal for you to be coming down after a week like this and the week of christmas and in the days afterward um But at the same time, we don't want to lose sight of the miracle that we celebrated this week. That Jesus, eternal God, almighty God, became human. Jesus became human. In what you might call the ultimate episode of Undercover Boss, you ever see that show? Where like the guy who's in charge of the company comes down and is among all the people in his company. I mean, Jesus, the creator of the universe, comes and lives among us Jesus put on flesh he added human nature to his deity we talked a couple weeks ago about his deity the truth that Jesus is fully God he is the eternal all-powerful all-sovereign king of the universe he's the creator and sustainer of all things he's the savior of humanity. And what happened at Christmas is that Jesus Christ, almighty God puts on flesh and becomes one of us at his conception in the womb of Mary. That's an incredible thought because I would never become a squirrel, but Jesus is willing to come run the rat race with us. It's Pretty amazing that he would do that uh, this this truth theologically is called the incarnation. You, many of you probably know that some of you may not, but the incarnation is when Jesus puts on flesh when he becomes a human uh, in fact it 's from the same word uh, you 've probably heard me say this before too if you 've been around for very long. you ever eat carne asada carne means meat asada grilled grilled meat, so the next time you have carne asada at the Mexican restaurant. Uh, Maybe you'll be reminded not of carne and incarnation, Jesus putting meat on, God putting flesh on, God becoming a human being. You never thought I'd tie Mexican food in to the incarnation, did you? But you know, Jesus, you got to know this, he was not created. We said this a few weeks ago too, that he is eternal, He's always existed. In fact, Jesus made this clear even in some of his own statements. In John eight fifty eight, he said, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. This is a claim to his eternality, to his deity, that he is God, that he has always, always existed. I can't get my mind around that, but it's true. Not only that, but later when he's praying in John 17, he says, Now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. That Jesus had that glory before the world even, before anything was created, Jesus existed. He's eternal. He is and always will be and always was God. Just at Christmas, he added humanity to his deity. One person, two natures. So when you see Jesus uh, living in his humanity, it's the person of Christ. When you see Jesus, uh, whether it's in the Old Testament or, or in the New and coming again, and you see divine attributes of who he is, it's still the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, his humanity that he added at Christmas, at his incarnation, I believe it's clear that, that he will retain that humanity forever. It, it will never be separated from him. So when we go to heaven, we'll see Jesus, the God-man. I mean, think about it. When he returned, right, and he saw the disciples, what was he? He was a man in the flesh, in a, in a new body. He ate with them. When, when he shows up to Stephen in the, in the book of Acts in chapter 7, G- Stephen sees him as the son of man, as a man standing at the right hand of the throne of God. Paul encounters him and is blinded by him as a man. In Revelation, we see him returning on a horse as a man, as a human being. He's added uh, irrevocably humanity to his deity at his incarnation. And he's fully God and he's fully a man. The virgin birth actually kind of helps us understand this a little bit, or maybe it's better to say, not just the virgin birth, but the virgin conception, that at the very beginning, uh, life begins, right, at the moment of conception, and that that at that moment, Jesus added humanity to his deity, Uh, In fact, uh, uh, this won't be on the screen, but I'll read it to you from Matthew chapter one. The birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Before they were married, she was pregnant. And Joseph, of course, you can imagine some of his dismay finding out his bride-to-be is pregnant, and it's not his. And then the angel, an angel of the Lord, appears to, to Joseph and says, don't be afraid because that which is in her is from the Holy Spirit, that it was a miraculous conception, that the Holy Spirit did it. And, and the the reason I bring this up is the virgin birth, really, it, it, it makes possible the the unity of deity and humanity in one person. Because think about it here with me for a moment, you know, it, it would have been possible for, for God to... Uh, create Jesus as a complete, perfect human being, and then later, at some point in his life, add deity to his humanity. That, that would that'd be possible. You know, maybe when he was five, six, 12 years old, I don't know. But then, wouldn't it be really hard for us to think of him fully as a human being that he could really, truly relate to us in every aspect of life, just like you and I? Because he was born in the same way, he grew up in the same way, so God's plan was for him to add humanity at conception. And live a full human life. In the same way, uh, uh, you know, it would have been possible for God to have uh, Jesus maybe uh, just come into the world without two human parents and, and just descend into the world or, you know, in some miraculous way and he's fully God. And again, we would say, well, he's, is he really human then like us? Or he could have been born to two human parents instead of just Mary as a human parent. But then we would have a hard time understanding his deity because he's just like us in every way. But knowing that it's a miraculous birth, we know that one, he was born, he is just like us, and he was born miraculously, conceived miraculously, so he's not like us. And he's the God-man. He added humanity to his deity. So, So we should remember that. It's very clear all throughout the Bible that Jesus became human, Uh, um, So many other religions will teach that a a human being can become like God, you know, and have all your planets that you can live on forever and eternity and all kinds of other nonsense. But Christianity is is alone in its uh, assertion that no, God actually became a human being. And that's a great truth. And Jesus became human yet, don't miss this, he retained his deity he retained his deity. When, when he became human, he didn't let go of being God in any way, shape, or form. He was still fully God and is today. He didn't relinquish it in any way. Um, you know, we, I already mentioned the examples of, of Stephen in Acts and Paul in Acts 9 and Revelation, Jesus returning as God, but in his humanity, he's, he's fully divine. But uh, one place we see this clearly is in Philippians chapter two maybe you'd turn there with me now if you're trying to find your way there in the new testament and you find galatians here's how i remember it go eat popcorn galatians ephesians philippians colossians go eat popcorn uh, or general electric power company you can remember the order there so philippians chapter two in verse three here's what paul writes to the church in philippi he says do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul's writing these things. The reason I read that is that that, that Paul is is writing to this church, trying to encourage them to live in unity together, to uh, give up their rights to love and serve and care for one another, to let go of their own preferences in order uh, to defer to others. And that's why he's writing this. And then he drops the ultimate example on him. And he says, and in case you wondered why I'm asking you to do that, check this out. He says, in fact, verse five, have this mind among yourselves. Have this mind among yourselves. He's referring to what he just said, this this mind of uh, doing nothing from selfish ambition, in humility, counting others as more important than yourself, of, uh, of giving up maybe some of your own privileges and rights in order that someone else could be blessed and loved and safe. He says, so have this mind, that that mind, which is yours, he said. You actually have this mind. You're like, I don't know, Josh, that's really hard. Because I don't admit it to a lot of people, but if you could see, I'm, I'm really selfish. <laughs> Anybody else resonate with that? Like, we all know, we all are, right? Like, like, Deep down, we have this root of selfishness in us where we want what we want and we want it our way. It's, we're like all, we're, we're just like a walking Burger King billboard. My way right now, all the time. And, and Paul says, no, you need to give those things up to love others. He's like, I don't know, that's hard. He's no, no, you have that mind. Where do you have it? In Christ, he says, In Christ Jesus that's where you can have that mind this is yours you you can't do it on your own strength you can't live with humility you can't live with love for others in your own strength but in Jesus Christ you can you can in fact uh, Paul goes on and he gives an example of how Jesus did this he says who talking about Jesus though he was in the form of God Paul reminds him right away here that that he is God Jesus Christ never quit being God. He retained his deity. You you can have this mind of selfless love for others, which is yours in Christ, who he was God, yet, check this out. Well, even before we go on there, you know, Jesus at times he did show his deity. Uh, I don't know that he ever dipped into his deity. I'm going to talk about that in a moment to live his human life. But his deity was revealed on occasion. For example, in Matthew 9, uh, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing diseases and every affliction. There's something different about this guy. In Mark 4, uh, there were sailors on a boat, right? They're exhausted and a big storm comes up as they're crossing the sea. And what does Jesus do? He just he like just shouts at the sea and says, be still. And the storm ceases, the waves crash to peace. His deity's revealed many times his divine characteristics. John 2, when he turns water into wine at the wedding in Cana. Uh, over and over, it's revealed. And occasionally, he revealed that. But let's keep going. He was in the form of God, yet he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. What? What's Paul talking about when he writes that? In other words, Jesus didn't imagine that his equality with God should have him hold on to his rights and his privileges at all costs. That's what it meant. It wasn't something to be grasped onto and held onto for dear life. Now, he never let go of his deity. That'd be heresy, right? Right? But he did let go of his glory, of his privileges, of his rights. At any time, he could have asserted himself as God, but he chose not to. And Paul's saying, hey, you and I, we ought to have the same mind about ourselves. We may have the right to do something. We we may have strong conviction about something, but when it's in the benefit of loving someone else, maybe I just need to relax a little bit and let that go and love them. Give up my rights. Uh, He had a mindset of service. So Jesus, he he did occasionally demonstrate his divine characteristics. But when he did, what I would challenge you, if you go read through him, every time he does, it's for the benefit of others. It's always for the benefit of others around him, not himself. See, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But instead, verse 7, he emptied himself himself taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. The word emptied here is a Greek word called kenosis. And it's translated, it means to empty or to to totally disperse. I mean, to empty out. And so it can be a little bit confusing. In fact, in the late 1800s into the early 1900s, there were a number of theologians, first in Germany and then in England, who uh, came up with this thing called the kenosis theory or kenotic theology that says that Jesus actually emptied himself of some of his divine attributes. Except that's the first time that was ever taught at that time in 1800 years of church history. And so if that's the case, you got to go, hmm, I don't know about that. Um, Jesus actually didn't do that. that that's not Right, that's actually a heresy. But he did empty himself of his privileges and of his rights. It shouldn't be viewed as him giving up his divine attributes, just of simply putting others first. And Paul, by the way, he's saying then too, have this mind. So when he's telling us to to love others and to give up some of our rights, he's not saying like just totally give up who you are. Don't give up your gifts. Don't give up your abilities. Don't give up uh, those sorts of things. He's just saying lay down maybe some of your privileges Continue to be you, who God made you to be. But love others in the process, just like Jesus did. Uh, he, he didn't, he just, it just empty just means he didn't continually avail himself of his divine privileges. In other words, he never, you know, I've said that before, he never pulled out his God card and said, hey, hold on a second. Let me do this. He always uh, He took the form of a servant. He was born in the likeness of men. Uh, Friends, Jesus became human, yet retained his full deity while living fully in his humanity. Do you got that? Jesus became human, yet he retained all of his deity while living his life on this earth fully in his humanity. Uh, Why does that matter? Well, uh, it matters because it makes him someone we can go to, someone who's relatable, somebody who knows and is like us, as the writer of Hebrews says, in every way. He lived fully in it. He, who can be our perfect substitute on the cross, who we can look to for an example of how to live life. See, verse 8, being found in human form. Paul's already said, found in the form of God. Now he's saying, found in human form. Fully God, fully man. He humbled himself. He, he, he knew what he needed to do. He took his place, and, and he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. When saying he humbled himself, I mentioned Hebrews 2:17 tells us he was like us in all ways. Think about the, the truth of Jesus humbling himself to become a human being. He was conceived, He was born. Uh, he, he partook of flesh of our flesh and blood. Uh, he was circumcised, he increased in wisdom and stature, he wept, he hungered, he was thirsty, he slept, he became tired, he was a man of sorrows, he endured uh, suffering and indignities, he was scourged, he was nailed to the cross, he died, he lived a complete life, he was pierced in his side, he hurt, he bled, he was buried, he resurrected. He, He shared our humanity to be like us in every way. He added humanity to his deity. And it's so, it's so easy to see this. You see it quickly as you read through the New Testament and study it. And if Jesus didn't live fully in his humanity, he wouldn't have been, we wouldn't have known him as fully human. We would have said he was either less than human or more than human, but not fully human. Instead, he shared it. He was like us in every way. That's incredibly profound that Jesus became like us that he experienced life like we do. He experienced the Sunday after holidays being exhausted, wanting to sleep in. He knew what that was like. He experienced maybe having too much of family for a while. He knew what that was like. He experienced loneliness. He experienced heartache. He experienced, you name it, he experienced it. And from the very first minute of his life to his last minutes on the cross, Jesus lived fully as a human being in every respect. Think about this. Did, did Jesus ever make a mistake growing up? I heard a no. I heard a sure. I think he probably did. A mistake isn't necessarily a sin, Right? His dad was a carpenter. Jesus grew in wisdom and knowledge and we, we usually assume that he's a carpenter because his dad was. The Bible doesn't really say that he was, it just says that he's the carpenter's son. And, and so, do you think he ever hit his thumb with a hammer? I bet he did, except he didn't swear after he hit his thumb. Right? I mean, he, of course he made mistakes. He, he grew up, he skinned his knee. He was picked on, on the playground, probably. He, he knew what it was like to be picked last at recess and what it was like maybe to be picked first. He, he, he knew, knew what it was like to eat something you didn't really care for and those things that you did enjoy. He knew what it was like to feel love. He knew what it was like to feel sorrow. He knew what it was like to lose friends, to lose loved ones. In every respect, he was human just like us now when we when we uh, think of him sometimes we just we forget the fact that he was the humble king that he was fully human you know this morning we got all the kids in here and it, it's fun to hear all you guys cuz it's a reminder that at one point Jesus was your age and he grew up just like you're growing up and he probably made some noise at times and that's good and okay you know uh, at this point, you maybe start to question this whole concept of his humanity and say, yeah, but what about, Josh, you know, some of these things and some things come to mind. For instance, what about Nathaniel? You know, Jesus, uh, uh, he, in John chapter one, uh, Nathaniel comes up and he's like, how do you know me? Nathaniel asks and Jesus says, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. How did he know that? A handful of reasons, possibly, right? He Jesus lived in that area. Maybe he had walked by him earlier in the day, saw him sitting there, knew who he was. But probably even more likely than that, the the Holy Spirit would have worked through Jesus and maybe revealed that to him. Or what about his miracles that he performed? Uh, Well, again, I I believe that that's, we see others in the New Testament perform miracles besides Jesus. And when they do those, uh, we, we see them deferring glory, not to themselves, but to Jesus. They say that, These aren't works that we've done. This is the work of Jesus Christ through us doing these things. The Holy Spirit did that through them. See, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit actually comes to dwell and live within you. And if you want to know what the perfect, Spirit-filled life looks like, look at Jesus, because he too lived full of the Holy Spirit. Only you might think of it like a pipe, Uh, like maybe an old uh, metal pipe that eventually gets kind of corroded and clogged up and or maybe just a pipe in your bathroom that gets filled with hair and eventually you got to kind of clean it out because the water doesn't flow quite as good through it. Jesus had no sin. You and I are still sinful. He's cleansed us and made us new and one day we'll be totally without sin but we still uh, are living in this in-between time where we do sin and so in a sense like our pipe is clogged <laughs> and the Holy Spirit uh is, is hindered and quenched at times, I believe, by our sin and the ways that he would long to work in our life. But in Jesus, there was no sin, so we see the Holy Spirit working perfectly, exactly how he desires. And if we want to know what the Spirit-filled life looks like, we simply look at Jesus, right? We simply look at him, and we go, that's what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to live like Jesus did. And so his miracles his knowledge of Nathaniel, his knowledge of, of people's thoughts at times—I believe all of those are likely the Holy Spirit working perfectly through his humanity. And, and Jesus humbled Himself, and the reason He humbled Himself was for us, for you, and for me. Have you considered that? Isaiah says that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Jesus did this for you and for me. In fact, I wanna read to you from a parable that maybe you haven't thought about in this way before. Matthew chapter 13, uh, Jesus is teaching in parables and he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and he covered up then in his joy he goes and he sells all that he has to buy that field the next couple of verses you won't see these but it continues again he says the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it now if you ask most people what this parable these parables mean uh, often uh, They'll say, well, uh, it's about the kingdom of God. It is worth everything, right? And we should be willing to give up everything to attain Jesus' kingdom. And, and I think that's true, right? That is true. We, we are. I mean, it's worth more than anything else Jesus' kingdom is. But uh, can you give up everything and actually purchase the kingdom of God? Probably not. Uh, Perhaps we have it backwards. And again, I wouldn't die for this, but I think there's a good possibility we have this backwards. Because when you look at the context of Matthew chapter 13, all of the parables before this one and the parables after these, the man in the parable is God. The man in the parable is God. So for example, the parable of the sower, the parable of the weeds, the parable of the mustard seed... The man in those parables is God, yet suddenly when we get to verse 44, we say, uh, the man here, though, no, that's us. (laughs) That's us. I don't know. If I look at context, I've got to say maybe we have it backwards. And maybe the man here is actually Jesus and is actually God. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which... A man found, he covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. I mean, after all, isn't it Jesus in Second Corinthians chapter eight, though he was rich yet for your sakes, he became poor. Who? Uh, he gave up everything, all of his privileges as God. He emptied himself, he humbled himself to live and dwell among us. Being in the very nature, God didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, became obedient even unto death on a cross so that he might redeem us and bring us into his kingdom. I think it's somewhat likely that the man in that parable who sells everything to get the treasure is God and the treasure is his people that he humbled himself for you. That he came and lived in his humanity for you and for me. And he paid with his very life on the cross all that he had for you and for me. Not only does he come for us to save us, to purchase us, but, but really to live then as our example you know, if, if you haven't trusted Jesus, I would just encourage you to trust him. And if you have, uh, let me encourage you that, that he is the perfect example of the spirit-filled life, and we can look to him as our humble king, our approachable king, the one we can go to and actually shows us how to live life. Because Jesus Christ in his humanity, living fully in his humanity, shows us what it's like to live the Christian life. And in fact, you and I, as we head into this next year, We have the same resources available to us to live the Christian life that Jesus had to live his life on this earth in his humanity. Think about it. Jesus had and relied upon fully the spirit of God. He he was full of the Holy Spirit. He, He was conceived by the spirit, anointed by the spirit, filled with the spirit, sealed by the spirit, led by the spirit, rejoiced in the spirit, performed miracles by the power of the spirit and was raised by the Holy Spirit. He lived his life fully dependent on the Holy Spirit. Well, guess what? When you become a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be your, what did he call him? Do you remember what did Jesus call the Spirit? The helper. And he said, the helper, it'll actually be better for you that I leave, he tells his disciples. And if the helper, if he comes to live in you, uh, it'll be better for you than me being here in the flesh on the earth. And so you and I, we have the helper to rely upon, just like Jesus did. He showed us how to do it. Not only that, but Jesus had prayer. He relied on prayer. He was often speaking to God, often praying to his Father, often in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, you and I, you, you, can, you can talk to God at any time. Prayer doesn't have to be, I mean, sometimes probably good that it is you know where you you quiet your heart and you quiet yourself and you sit down in a focused time and just talk to him but it can also be um you're walking along lord help me with this as i walk through this door lord why did that happen lord this was really funny today well i mean you can talk to him about anything do you do that do you do you laugh in a sense when you talk to him Tell him things you find humorous, tell him things you find hard, tell him things you find joyful, tell him things that you need, maybe just that you want. He's your friend. Jesus shows us the example of continually praying to God. And he did it in front of people even, right? Like there were times when he prayed, it was in front of everybody, so everybody knew he was praying. You can talk to him, he's he's with you always. Jesus relied on the spirit, he relied on prayer, he relied on uh, the written word of God in his temptations in the wilderness, right? What did Jesus say? You say this, but it is, it is what? Written. And he, he taught God's word. He unpacked God's word. He spent time in God's word. Prayer is you talking to God. This is God talking to you. Don't make it a one-way conversation. Read his word. Read his word. And then the last thing, As we close, a fourth thing that I think Jesus had available to him that we have available to us is family and friends. Family and friends, or friends and family. What did I put on there? Family and friends. He, you know, at certain times, his biological family said, you are crazy. This whole church thing is going a little far, Jesus. We want to take you back home to be with us. But then later, some of his brothers actually come to believe in him. By the way, that's another element of Jesus' humanity. There were times when it said his brothers didn't yet believe because they just saw him as totally human. <laughs> and it was later they realized he was actually God. He lived fully in his humanity. But, but he relied upon his friends. He relied upon his family. And you and I, we're, we, we all need friends. You might think of this, maybe you'd cross it off and just write church. Friends, we need one another. Today's a fun day where we get to kind of gather together as a large group again. And, uh, but there's so many opportunities for you to gather with others throughout the week, whether it's in a life group, which will launch again in January. You'll be able to start signing up for those in a couple weeks again. If you're not in one, uh, just, just others that you know and love, don't, and if you're joining us online, man, I'm so glad you're with us, uh, but reach out to us if we can love you and help you and care for you somehow. It's easy sometimes, just in the busyness of life, to forget about people we don't see. And so if we haven't been in touch with you, would you get in touch with us so that we can love you and care for you? Uh, friends, we need friends. And as you think of people, reach out to them and love them. Care for them. give them a phone call. How you doing? How you doing? It's been a hard year. Amen? Friends, Jesus became fully human, retained his deity. While living fully in his humanity because he loved you. For God so loved the world, and guess what? He still does. Let me pray.